Thank you all for being here. <laughs> Are you all all right? It's warm out there. I get it. It's a little warm and, and all of that. Well, you've come on a very, very wonderful night. Let me just share with you. You've come on a night that, um, that I believe will teach us a lesson about how to walk in this faith that we have, how to walk victoriously. Now, it's not easy. I, I don't think anything that is worthwhile is, is easy. But, but we see a man by the name of Paul who was just exemplary. This, this, this man was beyond reason one of the most godly people. And just to look at his life and to see what made Paul so, so unique, I believe he understood exactly what we just sang. Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. He got it. He understood it completely. And he saw it through the, four I, uh, the three I am's that he wrote here in the book of Romans. Would you please turn with me to Romans chapter 1, and let's review just a little bit of last week, but let's tackle this particular place in Scripture and see what it was that was the key, at least as it appears to be, the key for, for Paul's faithful living, and maybe it would be helpful to you and me. In verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, Paul came to the very core of, of his faith and his message that he wanted to present to, to the people. It was the three great I am's. Paul tells us in verse 14, he says, I am under obligation to everyone. He says in verse 14, to the, to the Greek as well as the barbarian, to the wise as well as the foolish, I am under obligation to you all. And then he said in verse 15, I am eager, I am very eager to preach to you the gospel. And then he says in verse 16 and 17, I, I'm not ashamed of it either, because it, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, he says, and that the righteous person, he says, shall live by faith. Please read with me verses 14 to 17, and we're going to get into the very core of what is the four keys to this faithful living that Paul presents to us tonight. Verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greek and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous person shall live by faith. Father, give us all that it is that is necessary for us this evening to understand how we may rise above all of the the trials that we might be going through, whatever it is that we're going through, the, the joy that we have, let us sense, Father, your presence, your, your joy of living, and your help, Father, in time of need. We see a man, Father, that, it, that lived that life. Whether he was in jail or whether he was got free, he was free no matter what because he understood that, 
Jesus paid it all. All to him he who he owed. Sin, sins truly had left a crimson stain, but you washed it white as snow. And so, Father, would you please teach us this great truth tonight? Would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? And would you move me aside? Allow us to sense your very presence amongst us, Father, and that you might touch every single person here, I pray. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. It made no difference to Paul. And it made no difference to Paul who you were. It made no difference to Paul the circumstances that he was under. Whether he was free or in jail, it didn't matter to him. It could be, as I explained last week, a, a runaway slave like Onesimus or, or royalty like King Agrippa. Paul was, was faithful to the Lord God to present to these people his life. He was all in all the time. He was under obligation. He was eager and he was not ashamed. And so it ought to be with us. As I said last week, I, I want to reiterate, it is my desire to help light a fire under all of our hearts and lives so as to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at all time so that we too might feel under obligation, so that we too might feel eager, so that we too might not be ashamed to serve our Lord together for the rest of our days. In his life, Paul was never discouraged by opposition. He was never disheartened by criticism. And he was never ashamed of the gospel. Why? How did Paul live a life like that? He was under more trials than most of us will ever, ever experience. And yet he rose above it. Well, in his last great I Am, verses 16 and 17, Paul presents four just essential, powerful keys that enabled him to go forth with such conviction. It is these four words, power, it is salvation, it is faith, and it is righteousness. Let's get to know him. First, in verse 16, Paul said that God's power is what bolstered him. He declared that the gospel he preached is the power of God. It is the dunamis. It is the power. It is where we get the word dynamite. In essence, Paul is saying that the gospel that he preached, what he did, he did through the omnipotent power of God Almighty. And so he was never discouraged because it wasn't his power that was moving him, just as it isn't yours, nor is it mine. God's power moved him. It is interesting that Scripture teaches this. It says in Psalm 33, I read this to you last week, it's, it's just a magnificent psalm. The 8th and the ninth verse says, let, let all the earth fear or revere the Lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, it says in Psalms 33, verse 8. It says in verse 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. 
This great manifestation of God's power is His bringing people to salvation. Verse 16. That is transforming their nature and giving them eternal life in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. Psalms 106, verse 8. He saved them. Now, he's talking about taking them through the Red Sea, but it's still talking about His saving power. He saved them for the sake of His name. Saved them for the sake of His name so that He might make known His power. His power. He saves you and me to make known His power, I believe. So that you might live a life filled with the power of God running through your souls. It's the reason He has saved you and me. Through Jesus Christ and He alone, through His power, mankind can be saved from their sin, can find salvation, which will lead them to spiritual life. What a, what a reason to live. And takes them then away from the judgment of God that will come to everyone that refuses. That will lead to spiritual death. He takes from death to life by God's power alone, so that He might make known His power in and through your life and my life. Isn't that an amazing statement? Isn't that an amazing way to live? That because of the power of God, you and I can do things that normally we couldn't accomplish, so that His power would be made known in and through your life and my life. Second key word in verse 16 is salvation. To be saved. He delivers us from many things. Let me just give you a few. The verses are, are on the board. There is Acts 2.40 that written by Luke. Uh, Matthew 18 verse 11. Matthew 1 verse 21. Romans 5 verse 9. Hosea 4.6. Listen as I read them through. and you might, If you want to copy them down and look later. In Acts chapter 2.40. Verse 40, it says, With many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. In Matthew 18, 11, we are saved from, the law, from being lost. It says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he comes to save us from sin. It says that, that, that Mary, she will bear a son. They will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, he saves us also from the wrath of God that is coming. It says in Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. And He saves us from spiritual ignorance. The reason we gather together and study. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, He says, I will also reject you from being My priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I shall also forget your children. How scary is that? Alma was just telling us of 
the blessings we had from the VBS classes and the ones that are coming up in August. And, and we have a chance to impact the young people that we come in contact with within our own lives. It is an important thing. I learned a very, less, very wonderful lesson this, this, this week, which was which was difficult, but the end result was really wonderful. Taught by an, an eight-year-old boy. Through our Lord's power and through His salvation, He wishes to save us all from this junk, whether it be our being lost or whether we be engrossed in sin or whether it be from the wrath of God or, or from spiritual ignorance or, or ignorance or from this perverse generation, our Lord's power and His salvation wishes to save you and me from all of that and more. Power, salvation. Verse 16, the third key word is that of faith or belief. He also saves us from the very pit of hell through belief and faith. Verse 16 says, giving salvation to everyone who believes. The word belief in Greek is P-I-T-E-O-U-S. It carries the basic idea of trusting in or relying upon. Listen, when using the word belief or faith in the New Testament... This salvation that comes is translated to mean it is a continual action of believing, moment by moment by moment. You see, virtually all of life, all that you live, all that I live, there is a natural state of faith. Whether it's the chairs that you're sitting on, you're trusting it's going to hold you up. Whether it's uh, driving your car and, and, and going home tonight and, and pushing on the brake, you're trusting that that brake will work again and again and again. Natural faith. But the faith that Paul is talking about here has in mind not the natural faith, but, but the supernatural faith that can only be produced by God to those who believe. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you and I have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. I want to tell you something that is, I'm going to repeat again, because you'll want to hear this again in your heart. God does not first ask men to behave. No, he first asks us to believe. What that is saying is that not by your good works, not by what you do will you get salvation, it's by your belief. God does not first ask us to behave. He first asks us to believe. Then we are to be obedient. Then we are to behave. The fourth key word Beyond power and salvation and faith is righteousness. Wow. 
Paul uses that term, righteousness, over 35 times in Romans alone. 35 times in Romans alone at least. Maybe more. Faith activates God's divine power, which brings forth His salvation, which gives us His righteousness. Faith, power, salvation, which brings forth in your life and in my life the righteousness of God. Verse 17 says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, A better rendering, though, of verse 17 is not the righteousness of God, but the righteousness we receive from God. It indicates that He imparts or gives out His righteousness to every single one of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, verse 5, But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited or given to him as righteousness. Let me read that again. Romans 4, 5, The one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited or given to him as righteousness. Meaning, God's righteousness is given to us who believe. Listen to Paul explain this more in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Remember I told you that one of the things that Paul did that was so amazing and so important was he forgot the things that lied behind. He, he, he pressed on towards Jesus. He, he forgot the lifestyle that he lived. He, he knew that that had been forgiven and he moved forward centering his heart and his life on Jesus Christ. He says in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 3, and you might want to read through Philippians uh, once in a while. He says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whom, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Now listen. Listen to verse 9. Listen closely. And I, Paul says, may be found in him, listen now, not having a righteousness of my own. You see, he had lived under the law for so long that he was trying to live a life exemplary, trying to live according to the law, and he would fall short and fall short and fall short and fall short. And now he got to the point where he is not living, having a righteousness of his own, That is a righteousness that has been derived from the law. But he says in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3, But I have a righteousness which is through faith in Christ. He says it is the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It's amazing. God gives his righteousness to you and me on the basis of faith through the power of salvation. Faith, power, salvation, righteousness. It, it, it undergirded Paul. It, it enabled him to, to hold fast through difficult times. It enabled him to do the amazing. In Hebrews, we have a men's breakfast. We're still meeting, guys. If you want to come, 
we're starting to grow a little bit. A few more guys are coming, and we're pretty much excited about it. We meet at Kino's. It's an advertisement, Jeff. What time? Six o'clock? Wednesday morning. Food's really good. The fellowship's even better. Talked about faith the other day at breakfast. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is the assurance of things that is hoped for. It's the conviction of things that we have not seen. Faith is the assurance of things that we hope for. It's the conviction of things that we have not yet seen. Five verses later in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Without faith it is amazing statement. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. Without faith, he says, it is impossible to please God. You might want to chew on words like that from time to time. Without faith, it's impossible for you and me to please God. He goes on to say in that verse 6, for the person who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What a great verse. Faith is the assurance that you and I have hoped for. It's a conviction of things we have not yet seen. And then without faith, it's impossible to please our God. Because the one who comes to him must believe that he is and that he'll reward those who seek after him. Wow. So, the righteousness of God is given through faith. And it says in verse 17, from faith to faith. From faith to faith seems to parallel what was written in verse 16 to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes from faith to faith. There's an emphasis on faith within the Word of God. That is, it is not a one-time action. It, it is a way of life. Living by faith. It is a single continuous action, this faith that you and I have. The true believer is the one who is made righteous by God and therefore lives by faith all the days of their lives. Theologians call this the perseverance of the saints, a continual action of faith. Paul says it this way. Now, I want you to know, Scripture teaches and we believe here that you cannot lose your salvation. But there's words in here that, that encourage us to hold fast to what we believe. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Jesus has reconciled you in his fleshly body through his death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's his job. That's, that's how he's going to present you and me. If indeed, though, Paul writes, you continue in the faith, firmly established, steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all the creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 make a similar statement in saying, Take care, brethren, that there would not be any one of you with an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. 
but encourage one another. That's why we gather together, to just encourage one another. Anthony, Vivi, I cannot begin to tell you how much you encourage me through your singing. I don't know. People have told me that I have passion for what I do. I want to tell you before all these witnesses that you have a passion for worshiping that goes beyond. There, it's true. It's not just me. And you encourage, you encourage us. Don't stop doing what you've been called to do. You encourage us. And that's what we do when we gather together. We encourage one another. He says day after day, as long as it is called today. In verse 17, both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament talks about that the righteous man, person, shall live by faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. It is quoted out of the Old Testament that the righteous man shall live by faith. And then in Romans, as we're going to see when we get into the fourth chapter, the third verse, Abraham, the father of the faithful, states that he believed God, Abraham did, and it was reckoned or given to him as righteousness. His belief, his faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so... Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The righteousness that is of or from God to those who believe. God sees a lost sinner and once that person hears his call and comes to Christ and is accepted by the Father, Because of God's righteousness, we are given the righteousness of Christ. Power, salvation, faith, righteousness. And the only method of procuring this righteousness is by faith. You cannot work for it. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it by doing enough good to make you a righteous person. No, there is nothing you can do but accept God's righteousness by faith. Just as Paul says in Philippians, again, Philippians, I tell you, you might want to read through it, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Just kind of read through it as a, as a casual read, if you will. Kind of mull upon when you come to a place that it just touches your heart, stop and, and meditate upon it for a while. Listen to Philippians 3, verse 9. It says, and may we be found in him, Paul writes, not having a righteousness of our own that is derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, that's what drove Paul. That's what made him the the man that he is as far as I can see it. He understood the power of God. He understood faith that came from God. He understood the, the salvation that came through that power and faith. And he found the righteousness of God living within him and lived that type of life. The word righteousness that we see in verse 17 is in the Greek D-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-E. It occurs 92 times in the New Testament, 36 times 
in the book of Romans, in this book that we are studying, 36 times we're coming across the word righteousness, the righteousness of God, the righteousness that Paul is writing about and talking about is the righteousness that God demands. And hear this, it is also the righteousness that God provides. It is the righteousness that is mentioned in verse 17 that is of or from God. What God demands He always provides. What God demands, He always provides. Verse 17, it is revealed from faith to faith to faith. Simply means that God saves you and me by faith. Therefore, we are to live by faith, a continual action of faith. You live by faith, you'll die by faith, and by the grace of God, you and I will be in heaven by faith. From faith to faith to faith to faith, and on and on it goes all the days of our lives. Dr. McGee wrote an analogy about this. He says, when he was born physically in Texas... He said when the doctor slapped him on his bottom, he is said it is, it is said he was heard throughout the whole county. <laughs> and then he took his first breath. And he wrote, and he has been taking that same breath by breath by breath by breath, and he is alive, physically alive today, because he takes that next breath. And then he wrote, and I didn't write it down, so I don't remember the exact date, but he wrote that he came to trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and from that moment he took his breath of faith, and he has been living spiritually every day, every moment, by faith, from faith to faith to faith to faith. And so it says in verse 17, the righteous person shall live by faith. It means that the sinner who trusts in Jesus Christ is not only pardoned because Jesus Christ died for us, but we also stand before God complete in Christ, having His righteousness, His justification within us as our protection, as our covering. Justification, righteousness. These are kind of bigger words, but they come through faith. And and they not only are a subtraction of yours and my sin, but an addition of God's righteousness living through us. His justification, just as if. Justification, just as if I'd not sinned how he sees you and me. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He who was delivered over because of our sin, talking of Jesus going to the cross, he who is delivered over because of our sin, our transgressions, was raised the third day because or for our justification, our righteousness so that we might stand before God complete, not on our own merit, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So Paul understood that deeply. 
I mean, he was impacted, as we're going to study later on and on the road to D- Damascus, and how he was, he was just taken and, and moved and put aside and, and, and ministered to by Jesus Christ. He became so ingrained and so in love with his Lord that he lived by this faith, from faith to faith to faith to faith. Since God saves us by His grace, that means His unmerited favor, this means that there is no merit in our own selves. In fact, what will be a time to really, you know, dig into our lives and understand who we are? Turn to the next page, verse chapter 3 for a moment, please, of Romans. It's going to be a time to try to explain all of this. Paul is talking to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And, and, and here in, in, in chapter 3, he is, answers a question that must have been asked him in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, not at all, he says. We've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. We're all equal. And then he writes, it is written, there's none righteous, not even one of us. There is none of us who understands. There is none of us who seeks for God. Did I tell you, it was in verse 10, verse 10 of chapter 3. There is none righteous, not one. Verse 11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. Verse 12, all of us have turned aside together. We've all become useless. There is none who does good. No, nope, not even one. Not even one. That's, that's going to be a time that we will, we will talk to you and really set the standard of of what we stand upon as a church. What is our, what is our, our belief in the gospel? What is the philosophy that, that we believe the Bible teaches? That, that we are so desperately in need of our Savior. He saves us on no other ground, folks, than this, that you and I trust in Jesus Christ and He alone. And since Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sin, my sin, our sin, salvation is ours through faith in His blood, as it says in Romans chapter 3. Also through His death, more importantly, through the resurrection, Easter Sunday. And so, without knowing it, as I was writing my message, Anthony was putting together his, uh, his songs. And I was going to close to you in a very weak attempt like Pastor Bill does for us at breakfast every once in a while by singing a hymn. Oh my goodness. Where in the world did I ever think during this week that I would do something like that? Maybe it was because August told me when we were singing last week, he says, you got some pipes. I said, what does that mean? He says, you can sing. (laughs) really no I didn't and so I wrote down these words the hymn writer was absolutely right on and Anthony and Vivi and Ashley sang Jesus paid it all all I I want to ask you to come on up all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow thanks Paul for giving us a 
an outline of how to live. Now, it's not easy. Because Satan's mean and tougher than any of us. And he brings things our ways that um, make us sometimes doubt who we are and how we live. And And so, Father, thank you for for what you've given us out of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, you tell us that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we might again be filled with you and with your righteousness. Lord, Thank you that you have supplied us with the power, the faith, salvation, your righteousness. So that when we stand before you, you're not going to look at the sin that so entrenches us from time to time. But you'll see your son you'll see the blood that he shed on the cross for each of us. And you'll welcome us into your forever kingdom, not on our merit. No, you'll welcome us, welcome us into your kingdom because of our pure faith in your Son, your most beautiful Son, Jesus Christ. It's because of him, Father, that we gather together. It's because of him we do what we try to do here. Help us to comprehend what Paul was trying to teach. And let us recognize it's not, it's not easy. Day by day by day, we will have to take this step of faith by faith by faith by faith by faith. Some of us will have to go back and confess over and over and over again. Others of us will move on. I pray for a day that all of us will be mature and walk with you in your grace, in your faith. Thank you, Father, for all your things you give us. And I pray you'll bless us in Jesus' most precious name. I love you. Amen.